The speedcafe.com podcast is brought to you by Morris, the official finance partner of Speed Cafe. Speed. 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 Speed Cafe. Speedcafe.com. Your daily racing fix. Check it out. Speed Cafe. <laughs> Hi there, race fans. I'm Mark Fogarty, and this is the Speed Cafe podcast. It's Bathurst 1000 week as if you had to be told. And ahead of the biggest race of the season, who better to set the scene than popular TV pundit Mark Larkham. Entertaining and incisive, Larko has dusted off his ultimate measure of form for the great race. It is, of course, the Larkometer, exclusive to the Speed Cafe podcast. Larko ranks and rates the contenders and pretenders on a temperature scale, sizzling for his favourites, hot for podium chances, warm for top 10 challenges, and cool for the rest. Plus, his smoky, the outsider combination he thinks could cause an upset. Laco prefaces his picks with his overview of what is shaping up as the most unpredictable, most open Bathurst 1000 ever. Gen 3 at the mountain is full of unknowns, not least whether the Ford Mustangs will get an 11th hour aero parity adjustment. My discussion with Larko was recorded before we got to Bathurst and before we knew if his beloved Blue Oval Brigade would get some relief. Regardless, all the other Gen 3 uncertainties make this 60th anniversary Repco Bathurst 1000 a big hazard for even expert prognosticators. So buckle up and hang on as we count down to the Lacometer. Mark Larkham, welcome to the Speed Cafe podcast on the very eve of the Bathurst 1000. Larko, Thanks, no mate. better time of year, no, no better time of year than this, is there? What the the event coming up or my chat with you every year? I actually enjoy both, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good point. No, no, the Bathurst One Thousand. We've had the AFL and the NRL Grand Finals. They're big events, and this is our Grand Final. Yeah, it's a, a funny old thing, isn't it? Maybe it's it's not lost on certainly not lost on me. I know you and I have been discussing some of the work I've been on doing some historic stuff for for the event and year on year two things always happen for me we all fall into this beautiful Bathurst zone because we love the event and everything it stands for so so much and that's very real and then I guess the other thing folks and you've experienced it for a little longer than I have only because you're a tad older um, not by much I believe um, is it, it just keeps delivering you know you just think it's not going to and it just does it again um, and it's one of the truly remarkable things about this event and why it makes this discussion each year, I guess, hard. And never more so than this year with Gen 3 and everything else going on. Uh, I can't remember a more unpredictable Bathurst 1000 coming up. Well, you know, I mean, you're here to... Well, well I'm here to talk to you about, you know, hot tips and 
who might and who mightn't. But I've got to say, folks, just in my own pre-event analysis, which we all do a bit of work on and getting our heads around a lot of the issues and creating stories that we think, you know, or, or being prepared to tell stories or bits and pieces that we think will eventuate in the race. I mean, I, I've got a list here that's longer than any list that I've done uh, prior to going to Bathurst because there is so much change. Um, and, and, you know, whilst we can talk about form of drivers and teams and what have you, for me, the the overarching theme for the outcomes at this Bathurst will be around the significant change, you know, obviously the, the new car, but what what that new car brings in terms of you know, what's it going to be like to drive across the top, particularly for co-drivers with a lot less aero. But then what's the distinct between the grip and no grip of a softer tyre than we've ever taken there? What's the life of that tyre going to be? A team's going to do what they typically always do, and I've been there and blown a front right tyre, while up near the front end of the field, trying to be greedy with camber because you've got the grip of the tyre to do that. Are we going to see that materialise? Um, we've got no anti-roll bar adjusters in the car. You're literally going to have to ship your car out of balance, if that makes sense. Um, because as the car uses its fuel load, which is now far greater, far heavier and far higher in the car, and will take its toll on the rear tyre, as that washes away at the same time that your rear tyre disintegrates, you want your car to come into balance in the middle of your stint. And, of course, your stint's going to be longer because the much greater capacity in the fuel tank, 133 litres up from 110, the better fuel efficiency of this new BP racing fuel we're using now um, means that gone are the nice little cute you know, 21, 22, 23 lap stints. Now the capability is going to be there to do a 29 lap stint, you know, somewhere around there. What's that going to mean? That that now complicates all sorts of things. I mean, surely you're not going to do a triple stint at the end now. That's 90-odd laps. Uh, forget it. Really puts an emphasis on having a really fast co-driver so you can swap them around conveniently through the day rather than this thing of getting your co-driver laps done and getting them out, you're not even going to want your co-driver in there for two full laps. Are we going to see full stints, folks? You know, are you going to see 29 lap runs? Or I think what you're going to see is more timed pit stop. You know, the fuel flow now at a much slower rate filling the cars. They're going to be sitting stationary for a full tank nearly double the time, nearly a minute. And I could go oh. on forever about all the implications around that. I mean, there is so yeah. many things, mate. So more than ever, it's all up for grabs. It really is. And it'll be he and she and they that are preemptive, anticipate this stuff, absolutely have the ability to be flexible during the day, that that will prevail. But mark my words, it, it that will get you to somewhere in the vicinity of those last, you know, the, the last stop or two, as Crompo said, all the time, you got to get that ticket. And then amongst all of that, you're still going to have to manage having a fast driver in a fast car if you're any chance at winning what becomes an absolute sprint. And history tells us, folks, you know, we can say, oh, you know, but year on year on year on year is what I'm saying, mate. It just keeps delivering. It turns into this full-on sprint from, you know, typically around somewhere around 
120 on. You know, it's it's incredible. That's not to say, and in fact, I just I don't like when I hear drivers say, um, you know, we're driving to a time or driving to a number or. At the end of the day, even if you're doing that, what you're doing as a driver and as a team, always as a race driver, you are always driving the car as fast as you can without killing it or without killing the tyre. So if that means driving to a number, that will be a number that you can drive to without killing the tyre. That is the skill of the game. doesn't matter if it's in Formula 1 supercars or anything else. That's the game, driving the car as fast as you can all day I can go out and drive at a qualifying pace for three laps. That doesn't take a lot of skill to do that and destroy the tyre. You've got to drive as fast as you can and not destroy. And that's going to become a big issue at Bathurst because of this soft tyre. We've never taken a tyre there this soft. Yes. So, as ever, but more than ever, it's a lottery. But for all its problems, Gen 3 has really shaken the tree, hasn't it? It, it it has, mate. It, it it really has. I I I think it's going to be harder than it has. Um, you know, on, the, you know, we've taken sixty odd percent of the downforce, and you know that's all that's all nice everywhere we've been. And I mean, I've spoken to most drivers in the field, if not all, and everyone does agree that the removal of the downforce has achieved one of the key objectives. Uh, and maybe we can do more, but the cars can, as a matter of fact, race closer than they have been able to because the car in front is not creating such a dirty wash, but more importantly, the car behind, because it has such less aero capability, is therefore not affected as much when the airflow coming across it is disturbed. So I salivate at the thought of the last 10 laps, if they're anything like you know the last decade or so, when we've seen cars really close together in those closing laps. So across the top of the mountain, from once you exit the cutting to the point that you turn, you know, probably into, down into the dipper, across there, average is 200 k's an hour, average. And you're going to have, and you're turning nearly the whole time, and you're going to have nearly 60% less downforce than what you've enjoyed up there. Now, if we were still there on a hard tyre with a lack of downforce, you caught it, you, you know, you sort of, you can feel it's a little bit like wet. You can feel the car before it starts to slide. The harder the tire is, the softer the tire, the more it grips up, and the distinct between grip and no grip becomes a little more like a step or a cliff. Um, and I'm not suggesting it's going to be that bad, but but I do believe a combination of those two things mean that all drivers, and I think co-drivers in particular, will be working harder across the top to keep the car fast and stable than they maybe have done in, in, in recent years. And I, I think, folks, one of the keys to, to winning Bathurst and mitigating some of the driving risk, we often say at Bathurst that as a driver, you know, I'll trade balance for grip any day because, of course, the game is about grip, but all the grip in the world is meaningless if you don't have balance in the car. If I want to flow that car across the top of the mountain all day at speed, at that average of 200 k's an hour, it needs to have balance. But as I alluded to earlier, 
mate, that's going to be so hard without anti-roll bars in the car because when you leave the pit lane on cold tyres, man, rear, rear anti-roll bar straight up nice and firm to get the car turning on cold tyres. Then as you burn off that fuel load, as the rear tyres go away, you just ease it back and you can bring your front bar up to stiffen up the front. And so you can tune the car, but that's gone. So you're going to be able to do some little tuning bits and pieces in the pit stops, particularly with some of the longer stops, some dampers, uh, some ride heights, some droop, some wing. Uh, there'll, there'll be some some bits and pieces you can you can do there. But but once it's shipped, it's shipped. So you that's what I'm saying. You're almost going to have to ship it with a degree of understeer. You're going to have to live with that for a little while until it comes into balance for the bulk of your session. And then towards the end of the session, you'll probably find the tyres are going away a little. Um, that's, believe me, a lot easier said than it is done. And that's why it's going to take good engineering skill, uh, great feedback from the drivers, good communication, an ability to stick to that plan and be patient. There's lots of running time. I think we've got, you know, six hours of practice time. Um, so you've got to be – the smart teams will be, be working on that stuff, not just one lap speed because one lap speed is often about front grip. If you ship your car at the start of a session with too much front grip and the rear deteriorates further in your stint, you're going to be in a world of trouble. So it's it's going to be hard. And, and add to that, folks, when we go down into the cut into sorry, into the chase, you know, pick a number at 300 k's an hour. I've done the thing before. You've seen me on on, on my screen do it. I, I think from correction, there's probably heading up towards 900, 850, 900 kilos of downforce on the car. So when you turn in, you turn into the 100% throttle. But, man, while that's still turning, you, you want to try and straighten it up as much as you can, but you never get it perfectly straight. So you're still sort of turning when you thump your foot on the brakes and push it literally as hard as you can. Now we're going to do that at what will be a very similar speed with, you know, again, pick a number, what, 300 kilos of downforce, 350? Like 60% gone. So is it possible we're going to see a lot of lock right front brakes going into there on cold tyre laps, is the soft tyre going to save that? Another unknown. Add it to the list. Well, it's sounding like peril at every turn. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Loving it. It does. Loving hey, it. Hey, you want... Sorry, folks. And... Yeah, yeah, do, you want, do you want to throw brakes in there? You know, we saw the, the, the brake drums. Notice how everyone went soft on the... The brake change it on, on Sunday. We expected everyone was going to do it after all the little dilemmas and, and you know, and finger trouble and fiddly, which it is um, on this system. Uh, well, I, I only saw a couple do it. Well, it's compulsory at Bathurst, but you are going to be able to pull the disc at the same time, which might be easier. But if you're going to want to put a, a pad in there, could be finger trouble again. If you're going to put a rear pad in it now, you've got to turn the car off. I can assure you, mate. No one likes turning a car off at Bathurst in the race. You just don't ever rely on a starter motor. A starter motor in a race car is not designed to do what it does on your road car. It's designed to start, to get you out onto the grid, and that's about your job lot. Indeed. And, of course, it's not just any Bathurst 1000. This is the 60th anniversary of the great race at Mount Panorama. And you, like me must be wallowing in the memories of so many highlights over, well, basically our lifetimes. Sure are, folks. I mean, I know we, we chat about this stuff because we are 
Oh, deeply passionate about it. Mean it, it means a lot. And you know, like any sport, I think our history is one of the most important assets. And you know, my mates, you know, yeah, I work in the telecast and I've driven the cars and all the rest of it. But at the end of the day, mate, I'm a I'm a yobbo like Auburn buddies, and we're all you know we're we're Bathurst and motor racing fans first and foremost. Long before I got involved with it, so I I I feel deeply attached to the history. I love the history. I was a a serious Alan Moffat and Dick Johnson fan as a young bloke. And, you know, I'm now lucky enough to be talking about those things. So as you know, mate, I've been working pretty hard on some stuff for Bathurst um, without letting too much out of the bag. I have spent a lot of time uh, with Emma, my associate uh, producer to bring together a, a really quite significant little piece that we will put to air, you know, probably an hour or half an hour before the start of the race that, that, you know, hopefully for everyone, they enjoy it as much as I have making it. It's um that it captures a lot of our our history because you know for everything we do as a sport, this event, its history, the icons, and it's just not iconic drivers and teams, is it? It's it's iconic cars and periods, folks, and that's what for me is part of the story. And you know I don't think any are any better or worse. They're just they're different. You know from the from from the showroom stuff to when the the VH came along in '67 and with Ford and Holden bounce back. And that really started the whole thing that, that whichever way you cut the cake, we're still going up there, call it whatever you like. It still is fundamentally, yeah, it's blue and blue, but it's still red versus blue. It's, it's Chev, which is GM, which was always Holden versus Ford. Um, and the Euros have come and go, gone the Sierras, the Mercs, the Volvos, the BMWs, but we migrate back to these big cars that express their body language that have the beautiful sweet note of a V8 that, you know, for whatever else goes on in the motorsport sport world, from an efficiency point of view, knock your socks off. Um, we are who we are and we make no apologies for it. And um, I just proud to be associated with it, mate. And uh, it's quite the spectacle. So stop it, folks. I'm getting, I'll get all emotional here, mate, talking about this. Oh, I didn't. Yes. Well, we'll look forward to all that retrospection, which I'm sure you'll be up to your eyeballs in. But the Lycometer is here, is what we're here for, so let's get into it. And for a change, we'll start at the unlikely end and work up. So, Lyco, who's your smoky this year? The outside, the, the outside combination that you like. Okay. Pull off an upset. You, 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 you've made this hard for me, folks. You really have. But just before I roll out a couple of Smokies, in this list of assembled here, there's a few teams that you might go, wow, there's some real obvious ones, but there's teams who haven't made the cut. And maybe I'll come back to them, but there's, there's some teams that absolutely have got the capability to go up there and win and surprise, but you just can't include everyone in this list. And I think, you know, it'd be really easy to just hear and put 17 people in this list, folks, and that's easy. I like to challenge myself to, and you challenge me, to really focus in and think, no, 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 let's try and shorten the list up and it makes it a little more interesting. So, Smokies, I've got two. Heimgartner and Wood. A couple of reasons. 
really hard to get a gauge on their form from any previous Bathurst results. I mean, they've just had, for whatever reason, they really haven't yielded results up there in recent years. So that makes it hard. But Sandown result, P5. Co-driver speed, which is a really important facet for all the reasons I said. Um, Woody has, uh, uh, has, for me, he always surprises and impresses. He goes up there, gets the job done. I really like Woody. He's very self-reflective, always trying to do a good job, critical of himself. So if you've got Heimgartner in his car at the back end of the race, which logically they will, I'm sure Woody will get his job done during the day. I could not discount Heimgartner as a smoky. Um, he's fast. He's hungry. And I'll keep saying what I say every year. One of the most underrated drivers in our category. So there's, there's one smoky. Can I be indulgent and have a second smoky folks? Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Matt Payne and Kevin Estray mm. in the, Penrite Racing Mustang. Now, I've always been a fan of uh, Matt Payne's. Um, followed his later career in New Zealand. I like to see these young kids come through that go around the hard way, the right way, and do all the categories, do the learning, uh, did development series, the Dunlop series. The thing that really got me with Matt Payne was his stint in the car with Holdsworth last year in the wet. Um, some of the running he did up there, um, really good, you know. Okay, 17th in the championship, but starting to show, we're starting to see Matt Payne's capability. Sixth at Sandown, qualified seventh. He was in the shootout there. Um, sixth at Bathurst in 22, so he knows how to go and drive Bathurst now. Uh, Matt Payne is an emerging talent. Just right in your diary, there is nothing surer. Kevin Estray... Yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah, uh, Kevin Estray. Um, I, I got to say, surprised me at Sandown, um, but did that real, that real professional European thing. We actually see it a bit, don't we, when they come out and they, uh, they, they just because in Europe they sort of they jump in and out of different cars and teams, and they got this sort of pro thing going on, and they, they often do. And we saw him make a couple of little errors early in the week. They make some blues. They find the limits but they know and understand that's what practice is for. And then when they get into the race, they just get the job done. And I, I just reckon that's a real Euro thing. And he's one of those guys. Now, go to Bathurst. Sorry, Kevin, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. He knows that. We've seen so many internationals come up and struggle there. So I don't think from a speed point of view, it would probably quite be as impressive as he was at Sandown. That's not to take away from his talent. But he, but he knows the track, Loco. He's been yeah, he's done before. The, he's, yeah, he's done the 12 hours, hasn't he? Yes. So, no, I, I, know, I know he knows the 12 hour, but when you're in 1,400 kilos, a, a V8 with low air, I just reckon it's a whole new world. So, no, so, so where I'm heading with, I, I, I don't expect, I'm not expecting a lot of him. Otherwise, I'd have them further up as maybe a, a warm mm. or a hot. But but I think he'll be solid. He'll do what he needs to do. He'll, 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 he'll explore, explore the car and... I reckon he's going to do the same thing. He'll just be a pro in the car. He'll give the car to Matt Payne. And then the final part to that equation, why I think they're a smoky, is there's just too many smart people in that that team. 
you know, they're a they're they're a great team. They're a hungry team. Um, so yeah, I, I I like them. You know, podium, um, long odds, give it a crack. Good call. So there's okay. a couple of Yeah. No, good calls. Okay, let's move on to cool, the best of the rest, who aren't going to win but might make an impression. Well, I reckon – well, I've sort of jumped to probably – sorry, folks, probably warm. Can I call it warm? Probably a bit better than cool. Let's call it lukewarm. I'm going I'm to say Mostert and Holdsworth. Now – you know, there's been times this year where you've gone, really? It's, it's just been ordinary. I, I've seen and chatted with a frustrated Mostert too many times this year. And, you know, it's a little bit of the Alonso thing. You know, sometimes you just end up with guys in their career in the wrong place. Not, not I'm not suggesting that team is the wrong place, but just by circumstance, the timing doesn't work out. And I hope with Mostert, we're not seeing the best years of his career passing by without absolutely challenging for championships, which he should be. So I'm not going to give up on him. I, I watched, I know this is a different car, but that team, 2021, 2022, know what to do at Bathurst. And even with all the quirkiness of the Gen 3 car at Bathurst, I reckon that team know too much about what they need to do to be fast at Bathurst. Um, second, where are we? Uh, championship position. I don't, where are they? Six in the championship. So he actually, he's had some podiums this year. Six. Six podiums this year. So there's been signs of, of form and then there's been weekends that have been disasters. I'm just predicting that I reckon Bathurst is going to be one of their better form weekends. Lee Holdsworth, at Bathurst, in the, he's just been red hot as a co-driver up there. And, um, you know, what an asset to take up there with you. I walked up to the end of the pit lane, folks, in 2021 when they won it. I just was – I think they were about fastest in every session. It was one of those weekends. I just couldn't get over the mid-corner speed, and I made it my business. I walked to the end of the pit lane, right at the end of the wall there, because I can, which I'm lucky to, and I just stood there in amazement because I could see with my eyes the mid-corner speed that that car had all day. And there was no way anyone was even going to get near him in those last few laps. And I'm not suggesting they're going to have that again, but mm, I don't know. It's just something feels right to me about those guys at Bathurst. And, um, well, big and call. I like them. Big call. I oh, know it's a big call. Yeah, but geez, a big be a boring, call this would be a boring podcast if we didn't would. do big calls. I rate them as outsiders, not on driving talent, but their transition to Ford hasn't been remarkable. All right. So anyway, basically the rest of the field, you know, good luck. <laughs> Have a go. Well, so that's the cool, uh, look, and that's a cool. You may, moment, you may like come up. So let's go on to who are the warm, who are your warms, your top 10 challenges? Well, 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 I'm going to quickly then say, here's where I'll say who's not in there. You know, I've got Shell V-Power in my list, which is sort of odd. This would be something I would never do. But at the end of the day, just the reality is what the reality is. I just haven't seen the form from them this year that would make me put them in the the warm, hot or sizzling group. I mean, I I, I want to. Um, I really do. I'm a big fan of the team, but I, but I just can't. They'll be fast. 
make no question. But but in the whole mix, I I you know if Will Davo were entering the car up near the front at the end of the day, absolutely they're a chance. I I I, I just don't see him in the top two or three at the end of the day. Might be in the top four, five or six. That's hard, you know. I I, I like. LeBrock and Ojeda as an outside. I like Winterbottom Caruso because Winterbottom's just Winterbottom at Bathurst. Who could not like Lowndes and Goddard's bit of pace we saw there at Sandown? Lowndes at Bathurst. Seriously, lucky can leave me. But, but isn't this great that we got such depth of field? Sorry, I just can't put everyone in there. So let's get up to some hot tips. Are you ready for hot foes? Go for it. Van Gisbergen and Stanaway. Car 97. Now, arguably, they should be. Further up the list, P3 at Sandown, coming on real strong during the race. Remember, they qualified badly. Mm. Uh, won Bathurst last year. But why aren't they further up? i tell you why, folks. There's, you know, again, I'm in the fortunate and privileged position to walk in and out all the garages and sort of sniff and see what's going on and sort of just, just feel the vibe. And for me, the... The vibe on the 97 side of the garage for, you know, all the reasons we've seen this year, Shane getting in out of the car and the steering dramas he had and the, the agitation and I just, it just something doesn't feel right on that side of the, the garage from me. Having said that, Shane is such a talent. We talk about Shane as a, as a in the car racing driver in the zone, still unbeatable, just utterly Brilliant, born to be a race driver. So if some way he can get through the weekend and everything's going all right and there's not things that piss him off and niggle him and they have dramas, which are all potential up there, as you know, um, he's he, at the end of the race, he can be unbeatable. Um, but there's just something, something just doesn't quite feel right. And, and clearly part of that's the he's leaving the, the NASCAR thing. Um, I reckon the momentum has clearly shifted to the other side of the garage. I reckon I can see that, uh, and that's for obvious reasons. And then I'll add Stanaway to the occasion. Stanaway 2.0, I love him. Um, uh, I've always loved him as a race driver. Followed him closely in Europe when I was working with Anton. Um, a great driving talent. Then I watched with great disappointment everything that played out in his first forage into our game. But I just... I sense a different Richie this time round. He's he's quick in the car. He looks fit and focused. Um, he's settled. He knows what he's doing into the future. Um, so what a great guy to take up there as a co-driver. And you can't count it out at all because at the end of the day, it's a Red Bull car and it's got to be counted as winning potential. So let's get down to it. Who are your sizzlers, your Red Hang on, shots? I haven't even... Uh, Hey, I wish it was that easy, folks. I haven't. Can I keep going with my two more hots? Oh, okay. Not finished. No second hot. Well, I, I like. Uh, we want to raise a little bit of really a bit of conjecture. Second hot is even after what's been a very ordinary year on occasion. Dave Reynolds and Garth Tender and Garth Tander. Um, no result at Sandown. Qualified eighth, got in the top ten shootout at Sandown. So had some speed. Then we saw that drama with the wheel. Um, I, I I don't know, you know Dave's moving on. I I, I just he, he he seems to find this speed at at Bathurst. I I guess I'm ranking this one because of Garth as much as anything. Um, you know we all rate Garth as a 
highly intelligent, sophisticated race driver and contributor to the effort. He will contribute to the effort. And I think that's going to help Dave a lot because Dave always says, I'm a race driver. Garth will plug that hole and then some. Garth will be very fast. Dave will be fast when he needs to be uh, as a main driver at the end of the day. So I think that's really important. And I talk about getting that setting of the car right. Garth will be as good as anyone in the field at getting that stuff stuff right. And again, I'll go back to too many smart guys in that team and girls. It's a great team. It's hungry. It's well-resourced. So I, I just, I like it. I, I like it. And I think, I think they're in with, I think they're hot. I think they're hot up there. So belt me afterwards if I miss, but I reckon they're, I reckon they're hot up there. And then my final hot one is Will Brown and Jack Perkins. No way you could count Will Brown up there. Jack Perkins in terms of co-driver, um, you know, perhaps not as fast as the fastest anymore, but certainly middle of the pack and sometimes a little bit faster than the middle of the pack. Uh, sometimes even up at the pointy end. But, you know, let's say he's in the top 10, you know, 10-ish co-driver for speed. I like the fact that he's doing DS2 up there. I think that'll that'll kind of get him in the zone a bit up there. Um, Will Brown really comes down to him. Um, again, Jack will be safe. Jack will give him the car back. If Will Brown is in an Erebus car in those last couple of stints, um, how can you possibly say they're not hot? Got to be. All right. So there's three, yeah. there's three hot ones for you, mate. So, your sizzlers, who are your hot favourites for the Bathurst 1000? Well, I've got three of them. I've got three of them, folks, three sizzlers, and I have to include a Ford in there. Um, I'm not going to discount a Mustang winning Bathurst. It's been a, it's been a tough year, but for all the reasons we... We said earlier, so many variables, um, hard to discount anyone. So one of my sizzlers, Cam Waters and James Moffat. Car 6, that Monster Energy Mustang. You know, we saw what happened at Sandown. We'll never know what might have been. Um, they were quick there, qualified third, and... They're always quick at Bathurst. Cam just loves a joint. He comes into his own up there. Um, finished third, I think, last year. Second in 2021. Uh, and Moff, always one of the top co-drivers. Um, always in the top group. Never far out of the top 10 if he is, but always usually up in the top group. Um, you know, he'll do his job. And there is no way that I can sit here and say that if we're at the back end of the race... And Cam Waters in his Mustang, I don't care who's around him, he's absolute potential to win the race. So, you know, he is Ford's great hope up there, I believe. Um, and he's fast, folks. At the end of the day, you know, he cuts all the mustard and all the other stuff we talk about. The flip side is all that other stuff becomes meaningless if you're actually not fast. You know, the, the icon thing about being a great race team, race car, race engineering group, and a race driver is being fast. You know, you can be reliable, you can be safe, you can be mechanically excellent, but if you're not fast, it means F all. So he's fast and he doesn't crash. Cam doesn't crash the car. So 
if he can keep the tyres on his car, this soft tyre, because I get to see deg degradation maps during the year and sometimes Cam is a little bit harsh on his uh, rear tyres, even against uh, other Mustang drivers. But he has shown at Bathurst that he's he knows how to get the car around there for a full stint and for a full race, in fact. So um, if we can get that balance in the car that we were talking about, yep, he's a sizzler. The next two scissors, probably predictable, but hard to split, but I'm going to. Car 88, Brock Feeney and Jamie Winkup. They won at Sandown. Uh, they were fast at Sandown. Qualified P5. Brock was fifth, uh, 22 at Bathurst. With Jamie, co-driver speed. So what I, what I do, um, folks, for my own purpose... Um, heading to Bathurst, I, I like to just go back and review some of the the previous sessions, both at Sandown, Bathurst last year, Bathurst the year before, wet sessions, all those sort of things. So you get a pretty good gauge as to when you cut through all the bullshit over the course of a race, who's doing what and who's not. Um, and tell me you take anyone better than Jamie Winkup as your co-driver up there. So that's the first thing. And I spoke to Jamie several times at Sandown and, I was just so impressed. I mean, I I got a soft spot for Jamie. I just like him. He's, you know, I don't think he gets the accolades that he deserves from our sport, or not from the sport so much, but just the wider accolades. I mean, he's just a great. He he's modest, he's humble, but I really enjoyed seeing him enjoy himself at Sandown, folks. And when you're enjoying yourself in any professional sport, you're dangerous. You're good. And he had a good ability at Sandown to distinct his role as team owner to driver. We spoke quite a bit about that. Um, and I could tell, mate, he loved being in the race car to the extent, you know, I wouldn't hesitate if you had to throw him back in the car for next year if they didn't have someone else. Um, he would have been fine. But he's really enjoying it, more so than I've seen him recently. Um, he, he himself is going to be red hot. And that that brings us to to Brock Feeney. He's a champion of the future. We know that. Um, he's now shown on several occasions, including that great drive at Adelaide and, and at Sandown, with all the pressure on him, it does my head in. As a 21-year-old, he just gets his head down and he's just like Jamie, just mature, looks after the car, and just doesn't succumb to the pressure. I mean, for a bloke his age, tell me when you see him parked in a sand trap or a smouldering pile in the wall somewhere. It just doesn't happen. I mean, he's beyond his years. And, you know, he was, uh, I think, not in the shootout, in, in quality, he was a tenth off pile. He's fast enough. So, again, this is a Red Bull team and car, so it makes it a winning combination. What's the chink in their armour? Do they have one? I think they've got a lot of momentum, as I say, from the other side of the garage. I think the momentum is on this side of the garage now. The chink is, I think, like everyone in the field this year, folks, they've, they've still got the capability to not get that car in that setup window that I'm talking about. You know, the, the track's going to dial in during the day and that's going to change the car again. So whilst they'll be as good as probably anyone at tuning it, there's no guarantee that they're going to land in it. And if you're just a little bit off, 
that'll hurt you. But that's really the only chink I can find. I mean, we know they're going to be strong. Um, what a what a pairing, what a pairing. And I, I can't distinct them from a number one pick, but I will. Is car ninety nine Brody Kostecki and David Russell. So let's just talk about the co-drivers for a sec, because as I say, I go back, I like to do a little analysis of, of, of the co-drivers. I mean, Davey Russell just, talk about underrated, just continues to impress, just just does. You can just keep going back through the years. He always just gets the job done. And then I thought, I'll just have a bit of a, a, bit of a closer look. And, you know, you go to the, the Sandown co-drivers. I like looking at the co-drivers session, folks. They're, they're really important for me in terms of, because the way our timing works, it's really hard to distinct when who's in the car and when without going through lap by lap and trying to work it out yourself. But in the co-driver session at Sandown, just gone, right? Um, Jamie Winkup knocked out a 109.7 for third. And Russell was, let me just have a look here. He knocked out a 1010.0. So he was three tenths behind. So pretty close, both of them in the top seven, six or seven, eight. But go to 22 Bathurst co-drivers. This is impressive. You know, David Russell, in one of the sessions, there was two co-driver sessions up there, was second in a 204.2. That's a 204 David Russell did up there. Jamie was third with a 204.4. Go to the other co-driver session at Bathurst, Jamie Winkup, did a 227. This was in the wet. And Davey Russell did a 227.4. And Jamie did two. So there's nothing in them, is my point, at Bathurst. So I, I reckon that's that's kind of cool. And um, so, so Davey Russell will get the job done. He'll be able to, for me, he'll be able to run with Jamie there or thereabouts if he needs to during the course of the during the course of the day. Um, so so that's important. The co-driver thing is really important in the analysis because if you put your main guy back into the game in 11th position, which is a problem for a lot of the teams that have got great drivers but the co-drivers just won't have the pace or the ability to drive that car across the top all day at that pace, um, I think Davey Russell will do a great job for them. Um, Finished second at Sandown, qualified second at Sandown, finished fourth in 22 at Bathurst, finished third in 21. So that, they know how to get the job done up at Bathurst. Um, leading the championship, and the championship's up for grabs, as we know, folks. 300 points up for grabs at Bathurst, and there's one, you know, there's two, there's three. You know, there's a few cars that are within that 300 points. So we could leave Bathurst, and it's all on his ear, but on its ear. But come back to car 99. And Brody Kostecki. So, you know, again, you look at it was funny. I looked at um, Brody Kostecki and Brock Feeney's fastest laps at Bathurst last last year in the race. You know, to get a sort of sense of of their their, their strongest race pace when it matters up at Bathurst. And 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 what do you know? Uh, where are we? Brody Kostecki, fastest time in the race last year, 207.0. Brock Feeney, fastest time in the race last year, 207.0. How cracking is that? You know, so what do I love about Brody? I love 
what Brody did those few years ago when he disregarded when he was a co-driver. Remember, I can't remember the year, folks. Disregarded Jamie Wink up in the car ahead of him. Jamie ended up firing into the wall up at the cutting. Uh, not through anything bad that Brody did, but Brody just didn't care. It was Jamie and just shoved his nose in here, there, and everywhere. It was was utterly brilliant. So I actually think Feeney's best years are still ahead of him. He's going to take multiple championships. I'm sure of that. But I reckon if Feeney and Kostecki are 10 laps from home and it's game on, I reckon Kostecki's just got that little thing going on that'll, that'll prevail. And I'm going to add two things to that that are really important in, in those pair prevailing as my hottest sizzling pick. Number, number one is I keep going back to this ability to get your car in the window and have it migrate to where you want it to be in the middle of a session. That's going to take, again, as I said to you, really strong and clear articulation from the driver about what the car's doing, probably more importantly what he needs the car to do. And George Cummins, who used to work for me, I dragged him out of university many years ago, so he's a friend. He constantly tells me, and George has been all the way in Europe with some of the best drivers in F1 now, George tells me Brody is the best driver in terms of articulating those things to him and his technical understanding of the car than anyone he's worked with. So tell me that's not an asset going to Bathurst with the issues that we face with sorting out this new new car over a thousand Ks in terms of its setup. So that that that's a big issue for me. And secondly, I take my hat off to to Barry Ryan for all the, you know, the flacky sometimes clop cops and he's a, a hard marker and he doesn't pull any punches and you know, the softer amongst us probably suffer with a little bit of that. I get that. But he's turned that team from a young, inexperienced team that was blundering pit stop after pit stop to look at they're doing in the championship. You know, one, twos here, there and everywhere into a mature, robust team. And, you know, he comes out of the Larry Perkins school. That's where that hard edge comes from. And I love the way, and, you know, let's just go back to our history chat, folks, and all this history stuff I've been working on the last couple of weeks. Larry just, you know, and we had butted plenty of times when I was around him, but, but now I have nothing but admiration for his engineering and mechanical focus on getting the cars right for one race a year and so much preparation through the year was focused on that. And I sense a lot of that with Barry, not just the hard edge, but, the fact that he was smart enough to pull a test day and leave it parked, and I think they're one of only a couple, or if, if not the only one, that did a test day between Sandown and Bathurst, and all I hear coming out of that test day was about minimising mistakes, minimising mistakes, minimising mistakes. So it's those couple of things, mate, that for me, edge them in front of car 88. So there you go, sizzling hot, the smoke's coming off it, the conjecture can start. Let the game begin. Indeed. I was worried there for a while that you won't you weren't going to put Kostecki in your calculations, but wow, what a finish. You've left the yeah, best. He's come to home last. Strong. So yeah, no, he yeah. has, and you've come home strong too. So it is potentially a bathist for the ages. 
and it is, isn't it? Look forward, yeah. Well, so there it is. That was the best and most informed and entertaining form guide you're going to get to the most unpredictable Bathurst 1000 ever. Loco, thanks for your time thanks, and fine. your insight. Yep, yeah. and and <laughs> we are certainly looking forward to you being, well, you being you on the Bathurst <laughs> broadcast. <laughs> on Fox Sports and Seven. Thanks, mate. I'm genuinely looking forward to it. Thanks, mate. I enjoyed the chat. It's always good to, to reflect and get into it, and it just shows how much there is to look forward to um, this bath. This is all this unravel. So looking forward to it, mate. Thank you. Larko, of course, will feature in the Bathurst 1000 broadcast with his unique analyses and insights. The Repco Bathurst 1000 will be live across the weekend on Fox Sports and Channel 7. That's it for now. I'll be back late on Monday with all the latest breaking news on the Speed Cafe newscast. In the meantime, full coverage of all the Bathurst 1000 action and intrigue at speedcafe.com. And don't forget our national racing guru, Gary O'Brien's Grassroots Racing Podcast on Friday featuring effervescent all-rounder Barton Moore. That will be entertaining. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to a Speed Cafe Pod Hub production. <laughs>